All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, I'm thinking we just dive right into this evening. There's a lot to unpack for the week, uh, specifically for both of our teams, as we both are probably rolling into this evening in a bit of a somber mood uh, based on events in week two. But before we get into those festivities, let's remind our listeners that tonight's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great betting tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive content, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, that's primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to spot for sports content. And while we're, we're plugging primetime sports talk, Lou, I know we normally save this to the end, but, uh, and we can come back and recap that, but just remind everybody um, where they can find the, this content. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram at WTF pod NFL and Weston as always uh, where can they find the YouTube page, YouTube. We're talking football podcast. Uh, you'll see it in the bottom here. Scrolling, hit the like the subscribe, help us out. I gave Lou an extension into year two of us doing this uh where if we get to 500 youtube subscribers by the end of the football calendar uh i owe lou uh, a very expensive and a nice dinner and i hope he's able to collect so we rely on you the listeners to get us there spread the word spread the gospel people come on tell your friends tell your friends (laughs) all right lou that's probably probably the last laughing we're going to do during this show yeah, there's going to be a lot episode. of. T- I might just shut my camera off because there's going to be a lot of. Yeah, a lot of tears. Yeah, so if everyone, if everyone's, uh, if you're looking at this on the YouTube page, look at Weston's eyes uh, when he's talking about uh, what transpired this past weekend with the 49ers. You could see it's not that's not due from like the morning here. That, that those could be tears. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking both my eyes. Yeah, Jesus, I'm allergies. You know, it's that time of the year, change <laughs> yeah. of the seasons, exactly. All right, Lou, hometown takes. Normally we let you take the the floor here. I'm going to take the floor and start us off with the the 49ers versus the Seahawks. I'm going to start with the good because there was some good. Uh, We beat the Seahawks rather easily. I haven't – that's not a regular theme and something that I can recite over the the last 10 years. The game was really never close. We really controlled both sides of the ball. The lone score from Seattle was a blocked field goal return for uh, a touchdown that could have changed the tie. There was still plenty of time left, but, you know, 49ers got right back to it. Uh, Defense was stingy. Offense played well. Another bright spot for me, I I called this gentleman out during week one, but Tolano Hufunga, (coughs) forgive me, he balled out again. It seemed like it's not a fluke. He just feels like a ball hawk. You, You know, he's in the right place at the right time. He's got uh, he's just breaking up two to three passes a game. And I've always said the knock on him was his ability in pass coverage. Just again, just feels like one of those guys that seems to have a, a nose for the football. And this is showing me why the 49ers were comfortable in letting a productive safety like Jaquaski Tart walk in free agency. And then when the Eagles cut him, not even look to bring him back on a, you know, a prove it type one year deal. I think they're, they're comfortable with the kid and he's, he's showing why. Yeah, he's playing with, uh, I'm going to say, like aggressive instincts right there. That, I think those are the two perfect words. Uh, he's diagnosed some plays pretty well. Uh, I've actually, I saw some plays this past weekend from him, and I kind of shot, I kind of agreed with you in the week one. I'm like, how come you guys don't you know, hype him up more? 
And I feel like he's really, you know, you can just see there's a lot, like, you know, a lot going on there from a positive standpoint. Yeah, and I think this was more of a test for him. I mean, the Bears in week one in in the slop fest, you knew the Bears were going to try to run the football, right? They didn't real they don't really have pass threats. Now I understand for Seattle, Geno Smith is under center, under under center, but you still have the likes of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You know, these are guys who get open and have been rather productive uh in their NFL career. So Yes, Seattle still wants to impose their will and try to run the football, and they're, they're going to be a run-first team this year. But this required Hufunga to play a little bit further away from the line of scrimmage and and played well. Uh, so really happy with his play. Uh, speaking of happy with their play, the interior offensive line, no sacks this week. Maybe two to three pressures, depending upon what source you look at. I'll just I'll split the difference and say two and a half pressures allowed in the game. But the big stat for me is no sacks. Now, again, week two of the season, this is not – Seattle doesn't boast the same defensive line that Chicago does, in in my opinion, but progression. I'm seeing a little bit of progression. I'm happy with what I'm seeing. The other thing I'm happy with is this was just a cleaner game in terms of penalties, right? Like the week before, what, 12 for 95? I think there was two accepted penalties in the entire game. It was just – a clean game on both sides of the ball. The defense looked phenomenal. I mean, Bosa was all over the field. Warner was all over the field. Uh, Dre Greenlaw all over the field. Everybody contributed. Uh, contributed Hufunga. So for me, the good, solid win against a team that's owned us for the last ten years. Let's call what it I, what it is. Yeah, what I'm going to say, and I mean this in the in the in a nice way, but the game was boring after the first drive. Yeah. Uh, the the game was boring uh, from a positive standpoint and. That's what you want like, when you are a fan and you're watching your team. You don't want those roller coaster of emotions. Uh, and so, from a standpoint of that, yeah, uh, that, you know, that was pretty good. This is the team that in 2019 they were termed the cardiac kids, right? Because yeah. every game in the second half of the season was a single possession down to the wire, even their losses. Like, you remember that Saints game, um, the loss of the Falcons. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus, the Week 17 game against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. I mean, you're talking about millimeters that that game came down to. Uh, so th this was this was welcomed against, again, a team that has traditionally owned us. And I know they're not the same team, but we've always talked about how rivalries matter. You just, Sometimes teams just get up for one another. Mm -hmm. So let's get to the bad. Yeah. And then, Lou, I'm going to pass it to you while we're going through the bad, but not just yet. So the I'm going to start with the bad was injuries, but I'm going to start with the not so obvious, which was TDP, the third round draft pick running back from LSU. So that's our second running back in consecutive weeks that is going to miss some extended time. So now you have Mitchell out, you have TDP out. That running back room's getting a little light. So now it's, you know, Jeff Wilson, who who looked infinitely better on mm -hmm. Sunday than he did the previous Sunday in, in his time. You're going to see rookie Jordan Mason. You're going to see um, Marlon Mack got activated off the practice squad. So it's going to be, you know, this is going to test what Shanahan has always done and just like hot hand, rotate these guys in and out. So let's see how much the running game suffers. But running back a uh, position is getting a little thin when it's always been a strength of this team. Now let's get to the obvious. Yep. Trey Lance. I don't even I don't even know where to be to begin, but I'll begin with this. While this was never, and I quote, never the intention of the San Francisco 49ers 
to even be in this position with Jimmy G as a backup. But the reality is it came to it. And now it actually looks like a prudent move, even though it wasn't the intention. They, they want, they tried to move him. They couldn't move him. Hey, listen, we'll, we'll resign you at a, you know, a reduced rate. If you want to stay here up to you, you know, I'm sure they've talked about like, if somebody comes knocking, you can pick and choose. Like if it's a team that you want to go to the whole nine, but the, the keys were trades. But I said last week, I said, this looks prudent. If something happens to Trey, never in my wildest dreams that I expect that to happen in week two of the season. And for a t- young 22 year old kid uh, to, to miss his first season as a full-time dedicated starter uh, for this franchise. But the, I think the the positive, the positive slant here is most NFL teams are one injury away to the most important position for their entire season being flushed down the toilet to all of the work they put in the offseason to being a waste. I've, I've heard Richard Sherman talk about it with George Kittle on his podcast where he's like, this happens to a team and you're like, so glad I put in all that effort. I'll see you in 2023, right? And you mail it in. But now they don't have to mail it in just yet. There is there is light. I, I don't know where to go from that. I'm, I'm going to pass it to you because I'm, I'm sure you got thoughts on this as well. All right. So I'm going to apologize in advance to you and Nyer Nation because I do – I'm not calling this a hot take. I'm not trying to be a hater here. I have no skin in the game uh, when it comes to, you know, not even in my conference. So I, in fact, I don't care about the 49ers. Like, I, I don't hate the 49ers like that. Yes, you guys did make me cry for the first time watching a football game back in 19 – was it 94 or 5? 94. And you guys, it's the 95 Super Bowl, but the 94 season. You, yeah, you you guys were you just beat the dead horse known as the Chargers. So, and I, do I have that in the back of my mind? Sure, yeah. But this is coming from no animosity. This is all peace and love. All right, peace and love. You guys won the battle, and what the battle was was defeating the Seattle Seahawks this past weekend. Shit. The battle also might be advanced to the playoffs this year too. So you guys, you, I feel like have a really good shot. You know, still with Jimmy G getting to the playoffs. That's the battle. You guys lost the war. And what I mean by the war, and you're you're going to completely disagree with me, you guys do not have your future quarterback for this team. It's not Trey Lance. And I don't mean that. I mean that I'm only saying this because of the situation that just has happened this past week. <laughs> Trey Lance, the last time he played two full games was in 2019. Yep. 2020, COVID year, played one game. 2021, his rookie year, played two games, but one was, I think, in like week five, and the other was like week 17. And they played this two year, and a half, technically, two okay. and a half games. All right, but it wasn't back-to-back. <clears throat> no. This year, you know, obviously the first game, and now this. You're, you, I think you were alluding to either before we started recording or right now that this hurt the stunt's growth, right? It does more than stunts growth, in my opinion. Uh, the knock on Trey Lance, first of all, let's talk about the positive Trey Lance. Physically gifted, right? Cannon for an arm, big, strong, fast. Um, so you have those, you know, you have those tangibles. But what's the knock been on Trey Lance? He hasn't played in a while, right? His uh, his uh, ability to process and progressions and things of that nature, right? That ain't going to get better. 
with 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 not playing. He has the Dak Prescott injury, and if you heard Dak, I think from like uh, you know, I think it was this year or maybe last year. I'm not sure when, but Dak said that was a rough injury, and let me tell you why that's the rough, rough injury. The rehab was the rough part. So you're thinking, okay, great, Trey Lance will come in next year. You know, we just rebooted for one year. The main focus is not going to be the playbook with Trey Lance. The main focus is getting that ankle back and that rehab. He's a mobile quarterback. Obviously, that's going to have some impact on his ability to be mobile, right? Um, so his main focus is trying to get comfortable fit from a physical standpoint. Even Joe Burrow said the same thing when he hurt his knee, um, stating that, hey, you know, I was apprehensive in the beginning. So his his offseason, you know, starting you know next year is going to be just getting back from a physical and mental standpoint. Oh, yeah, by the way, then you have to learn perhaps one of the most complicated and sophisticated offenses, you know, known to man in the NFL right now, right? Yep. In year three. So he probably start won't, won't be comfortable until at least from a mental football standpoint midway to year three. I'm sorry. Um, you gambled, and unfortunately, you, you know, you put, you put all your chips in, and it looks like you guys got rivered. I, I talk about – one of my favorite sayings is possibility and probability. Is it possible that Lance can overcome all this, right, and <clears throat> be the future quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, it's possible. For me, in my standpoint, is it probable? I don't. I think this is a, a real hard thing to overcome, and there's been very limited uh, precedent in the past when it comes to situations like this. So you, you guys are probably fine this year, but you have some things – I don't know where you're going to find that next quarterback. And we've said it before, that is your most important position. That is the biggest, the, your biggest, that's, that's either you have one or you don't. And no offense, you guys do not have a future quarterback. Yeah. So I agree with some of that sentiment. Um, I agree with the fact that like, Hey, listen, this year, it given the scenario, We'll still remain competitive. You know, we know what we have under center. We know where what I, I laugh at is like, you know, these these talking heads, these folks who get paid to do this are like the team's better. The team's going to be better with Jimmy and like maybe in the short term. But they almost talk like that, like he hasn't been trying to be a good, competent quarterback since he's been here. And all of a sudden there's going to be something that like clicks for this guy. That's going to take him over the hump. And I don't subscribe to that. I subscribe I to, guess, yeah. yeah, there's probably people in the locker room that like still like Jimmy, right? Like, and still love Jim. Doesn't mean they dislike Trey, but they'll get up and they'll play. And they probably feel great right now from a camaraderie standpoint is like, we don't have to mail this in. Now the good thing is, is I do think our defense is better than it was in 2019 when it carried the team. So I think there's a there's a, a balancing act there with the way the pendulum swings. Yeah, what I don't I think we'll have any issues this year. Yeah. What I do agree with you is that so like okay, Trey comes back next year. Now, I know you likened it to the Dak Prescott injury. It is actually not the same. Um it is a slightly more favorable what was injured and what wasn't for Trey. Trey's younger. I think he has the right mental makeup, but the the rehab is going to be telling, right? Like, does he struggle through? Does he have setbacks? Like, is he still, you know, in the right mind space? Like, it it becomes a mental battle outside of just a physical battle. So I agree. 
next year, he will be the starting quarterback if he's healthy, right? Like they will give him the keys again, but everything that he should have would have learned this year, the struggles, the playbook, et cetera, it pushes it out another year. So, and that's why people were slamming, you know, like pounding the table, like he should have played last year. Right. So he got those wrinkles out. And then this year, you go, but the reality was is the team around him was good enough that he could struggle and they could carry along to get him through. I don't know if that's the same case in 2023. We still got to look at free agency. We still got to look at incoming rookie class. Everything I see on paper says this is not the same squad in 2023. So there's going to be some difference. So when you think of like Josh Allen and even like Jalen Hurts right now, these quarterbacks who are ascending it's the Mahomes syndrome. Like you can lose talent around me. You got me right. Like I will bring up the talent, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, et cetera. That's what hurts is doing. That's what Josh Allen is doing. And yes, they still have talent around them, but even if that talent wasn't there, they'd still be productive. We don't know that about Trey yet. And now we lose another year to actually figure that out. Now, what I also agree with you is yeah, we put the chips all in, dude. You do that anytime you draft a quarterback in the first round. Like you, this is why you know. And you traded up, say, though. You traded up significant assets, so it's not we just did. drafting one quarterback. It's not like you're the Browns, where like, oh, let's try it again. Let's just you use know. our first overall pick and do exactly. it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So. Totally. Totally. We and, I'm not, and I'm listen. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I am not criticizing the fact you. Sometimes you got to make those bold moves, and if they work out for you, you have a dot. You have a potential dynasty. If they don't. You're hitting the restart button for a long period of time, probably. High risk, high reward. That's the name mm-hmm. of this game. Um, the 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 chips were pushed in. Hundred percent agree with with you on that. The, and I do agree with you that Trey does have all the tools. I, I I find his mental makeup to be attractive. I think you know arm running ability. Here's where I disagree a little bit on the running ability, and this is where I, I'm in a little bit of a conundrum. Now, do I blame Kyle Shanahan that he was running his quarterback and, no. and hurt him? Not even a little bit. It happens, right? Yeah. He, look at – we'll talk about your quarterback in a moment, right? He got hurt being in the pocket. Things yeah. happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is the NFL. It's a violent game. This wasn't, people, like, this wasn't like it was like week 17 and Kyle Shanahan ran him like, you know, 200 times. Yeah. It, it, was, it was literally week two. In like what his second rush like of yeah. the game, <laughs> and it's a read option, dude. Right? Nobody yeah. had a problem with the play call when two plays before it they ran a read option, and the read was to hand it to Debo. He took it fifty-one yards, right? Like it was literally the yeah. exact same play call, the exact same play call, and the read was okay. I'll take it in. So people want this world just always needs somebody to blame, right? Like, and I don't blame Kyle. What I, what I think I have a little bit of like resentment towards is watching Trey in the games last year. And even in the the game in a quarter this year is his running ability stood out much more in college. Not when you're at like the best of the best where you are here. So to me, I, I find Trey's appeal to be more of like a, a scrambler, versus a designed runner right athletic enough on third and longs like you know maybe you call a draw or if the pocket collapses take a look and and go and being plenty plenty capable right like those are the things that i I don't think he's a lamar jackson right like and he's not and 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 i but the reason why i think you run these quarterbacks early so if you go like watch josh allen back in 2018 dude they ran the ball with him a ton and you Mm want to know why they did because Football's about momentum. 
How do you get a young kid who's still learning the game at this competition comfortable? You get them sweating during the game. You get like that that dog mentality mentality out of them, and you let them fall back on what they, they what they know, right? And sometimes that's let's run the rock a little bit. Like let's let you get hit once in a while. Like that wakes you up. That gets you pumped up. That gets the blood flowing. That gets the motivation going. And while you're figuring all this out. I still got to move the ball. I still the name of the game is I still have to score points. You don't win because you walked out of the game. Your quarterback got untouched, right? Like you win when you put points on the board. Still got to figure out a way to do that. And I think Kyle was figuring that out. Now back to so I just wanted to squash that because I'm tired of reading people like oh like I'm gonna blame Kyle Shanahan. Okay, let's. Oh, oh. I'm not that. I didn't. No, any blame? No, 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 you're not. No, you you were not. But I'm using this forum. Oh, to squash yeah. my my disbelief in that because okay everybody half of you know how bad 49ers like social media world is half oh, of yes. like, let's fire kyle and do what <laughs> like you know what i mean and do what like he'll have, have a job before dude, have, his left foot hits the parking lot you know what i'm saying like there's teams that would fire their coach oh that guy's available right now and i don't have to pay his full salary yet yeah, sorry whoever you are that i just hired you're fired right like this, dumbest takes i've ever seen in my entire life with some of these people now where i'm gonna disagree with you a little bit and this is where the benefit so like yes when you're all in you you want to maximize that right like we all talked about the rookie contract window especially for like your quarterback etc now the reality is is he's still 22 years old he'll still be 22 years old at the start, or he'll be 20, just turning 23 at the start of next season. Still a young guy, right? Like Burrow was like 24 when he came out, right? Like, so still a young guy. He, and the window's still there because that'll be year three. So then technically you still have four and five where you pick up the option, right? And that option's still going to be cheaper than any contract. So he still has to prove it. You know what I'm saying? Like he still has to prove that like, hey, we're going to sign you to that massive deal. We still control your right. I think we just lose another a year, a year of the progression is what see, we I, lose. See, I think you're under us. You're you're really understanding the the main issue here. Yeah, you still have year three, four, and five, right? But year three is essentially his rookie year, and it's not just him learning the offense. Year three is him physically trying to get back, you know, back to his old self and learn the offense, right? So yep. year three is really his rookie year. Year four now, it's his sophomore year to see how he progresses. Then you have to make a decision what's going to happen with year five. Is he the guy? And you're really only looking at probably from, you know, 30, you know, less than 34 games of, of, of footage. So you're going to be pressed up. Either you're going to have to do what the Jets did, you know, and like with Sam Darnold, like, you know, we're just going to give him the year five and we'll see what happens. And I feel like how how many times has that, has that shit worked out? It really hasn't. So I think it, 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 what it not only it stunts his growth, but also stunts your team's evaluation of him if he can bring you to the promised land. Yeah. And it's from from both standpoints. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's, get, it's getting late early from your from a future yeah. quarterback standpoint. That I'll agree a hundred percent with you, right? It's getting late early, and it does force the hand a little bit, right? Um, I just I'll, I'll go back to your quote. It's possible. Yeah, the probability has shifted. It's not improbable. It's just the probability be, has shifted. Re- you gotta be real with me right now. Like you know, don't like do this for like you know the sound ways where scale you know scale one to ten, ten being like yo he is our guy, one being like I think we kind of fucked up here, right? 
where do you see Trey Lance as the you know quarterback of the future for the San Francisco 49ers? And before you answer that, you have been a man that said, I'm a man, I'm I do the eyeball test. Yep. So what are your eyes telling you? And you know, is he the future? Because in my opinion, if you're asking me that, like being a completely objective fan, you know, fan, I'm probably saying a four right now. Yeah. So I'm saying a six. And I think that's that's not rose-colored glasses. I'm saying a six because my eyes have only been, to your point, have only seen limited, right? And this was the year we were supposed to see it where I could really make an objective decision on that. What I see is what you called out, dude. Arm talent, athletic ability, which might be hindered a little bit. I think right mental, like, makeup. I, I the reason why I'm on the lower side in a six is because this is me being truthful with myself and with anybody is this is a business at the end of the day. Right. And like sometimes the business takes precedent over like just let like let's let this thing play out. Let's this, let this thing play out. Right. I think there's too much that hinges on this. Right. Like you, I, we could wake up next year and Kyle be like, I want out a better opportunity for him or something, right? Like, you know, you lose some players, you lose some depth. Like it's not the same team. Like these guys make decisions that could affect all of this. Right. Also, I mean, listen, we don't know what's really going on, you know, in that, in those offices there. We don't know. I know like this, maybe this is me sound like an ignorant, like, uh, you know, typical, like, you know, someone from the media in regards, like we don't know if Trey Lance was his guy. If he wanted Mac Jones, I know, Real 49ers say that it was never Mac Jones. It was always Trey Lance. But if there's if there's ever an inkling of truth, right, yep. this could push internal turmoil, and this could push Chan to be like, you know what? I wanted Cousins. I'm going to uh, go get know, him I, next I, year. I, I, wanted, <laughs> yep. I wanted Brady. Like, I'm not saying any of these things are true, but, I mean, there's been rumblings. If any of these things are true, he might just say, like, you know what? You guys have not given me what I wanted. You've given me, you know, tools, but – not the right tools. I you, and yeah. we'll just push them over the edge and say, you know, what, I'm out type shit. Hundred percent. And that's it's scary. That's real. If, that's... If, if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm kind of panicking. I'm kind of scared because of all these things that you know. This is everything is surfacing, you know, to a possible shitstorm, and hopefully, you know, it, it calms down. Cooler heads prevail. Hey, what's what solves all this shit? Winning. 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 Just like in our line of work, what cures all woes? Revenue. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the way it goes. But that's where I say, that's why I'm out of six, because, like, this is still a business, right? And the business is about winning football games and, most importantly, winning championships. Coaches don't keep their jobs by just being playoff teams or being mediocre or whatever it might be. It just doesn't happen, man. It's a results-based industry. Plain and simple. Now, so that – even when I say six, like – Dude, I, I, I'm clearly worried, right? Like, this is this is troublesome. What I will say is I don't think – I still, regardless of the injury, they didn't make the wrong decision on the person, right? No. They put the chips all in on a player. Oh, we've talked at, – Yeah, at it's the, it was the this. right player. When they the traded right it off, what was the thing? Like, it has to be it has Lance. To be that's true, the, yep. I go, that's the only guy that would justify – and that would, you know, that justify that trade-up. You know me? Never been a Justin Fields fan, right? Yep. Mac Jones, I said the same thing. I go, it has to be Lance. He's the only guy, to be honest with you, uh, that would that that would warrant that type of uh, trade up. Yep. 
So we're going to revisit this when I talk about somebody a little bit later today, because I do think there's a, some similarities in some capacity, but okay. we'll, we'll get to that point. The last thing that I want to clear up on this and I, and, and cause we're going to be talking about this the rest of the season. Like yeah. I, I know yeah. we are um, is again, I know the purpose behind media, even at the smallest scale of what mm-hmm. we do, but can we pump the brakes for just a moment? Not meaning just you and I, like everybody in the sense where like, and I hate this part of the fan element. Like I, you and I talk about all the time about not blindly following your team, but for a moment, can we just like stop pretending that we actually know more about football than like the head coaches of these teams and these people like can, yeah, there's a couple, there's nah, a couple yeah, teams. I, I get it. But like at the end you of the can't, day, you can't, you can't tell me you don't know more about football than urban Meyer. I might, right? At the NFL level, I might. You know, at the collegiate level, he's got my number. But the reality is, is like, can we just, 49er fans specifically, can we stop for a second pretending that we know more about football than Kyle Shanahan, who's literally breathed football his entire life? When we were sitting in our backyard playing catch with our buddies, homeboy was doing it with hall of fame football players all right so like let's slow down for a second um and and that's where if he still stays around that's what keeps my faith in this team whatever the decisions are whatever they might be whomever the player might be i just i i have not blind faith but i have a lot of faith in in his in in kyle shanahan just in general um and we've talked about that dude i mean like the, the play calling the genius like question what you want but like He's not the reason Trey Lance is hurt. It, it's point blank. Can't you can't fault this guy. I saw the oh they're using him like a fullback. No, it's a read option. And when you run your quarterback, like you run the risk. But you know what? When you when you put your quarterback in seven step drops and you have no offensive line around him, you run a risk. It's just mm-hmm. the way it's it's football, man. It's football. Yeah. There are there are bigger war stories of greater players that not don't ever even get to this level because of injuries, right? Like it just it's. It surrounds the game. It's all encompassing. All right, let's get out of it. Oh, hold on. There's one. There's one, one other person I feel extremely unfortunate for, and I feel really bad for. I'm going to touch your 49er fandom by the right now. By uh, by the way, right now, you know who I feel really bad for? Rita Oak. Do you know who Rita Oak is? Rita Oak is the Twitter sensation where uh, she, she she keeps draws, drawing Jimmy every she day. She draws pictures yep. of Jimmy Garoppolo every day. 232 times now, by the way, until he gets yep. traded. And it's pictures from like either movies or like music videos. Just re- she has drew, drew Jimmy G 232 times until he gets traded. And guess what? She's gonna she's gonna have to need more inspiration. So yeah, shout out so, to Rita Oak. I feel bad for her, man. <laughs> listen, no, she's gaining so much notoriety and fandom, and because some of her drawings are hilarious and pure genius. Oh and my god, two, it 200 is. and whatever times it's been. No two pictures alike, nah, right? Like nah. no two pictures alike. So Lou, when we go back and you clip this, like clip this segment, shout out to Rita Oak, go follow her, get those, get those drawings in front of you. I promise. Especially if you're like just laughing at the 49ers, which a lot of teams do, you'll get a laugh. I promise you that. Um, great call out there, Lou, by the way. Um, and that should be our segue. Hey, listen, I'll end it with, Hey, we beat the Seahawks. We're one in one. Yeah. in a winnable division right now, you know? So, yeah. like, the show goes on. And if there's anything, dude, I want to be very clear about this. 
I don't care if it's Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, whomever. Jim Druckenmiller, I still rooted for them when they are out on my team. My team comes first. I am not a player first individual. It's about the team. So here we won. 2022, we should remain competitive. We should find the playoffs. And that's what I like. Yeah, I want to win a Super Bowl. But dude, wouldn't wouldn't this literally be the best story in the entire world? If Jimmy, who was all but shown the door, comes back, finally gets over the hump, wins the Super Bowl, and then next year they're like, see ya, bro. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be real. This is, I'm going to keep you always. Back in the keep Foles, no? Yeah, I'm going to keep it 100 with you right now, dude. If the 49ers won the Super Bowl this year, I wouldn't even care what happened for the next two or three years because well, yeah. I've been waiting 25, years. 26 years. I feel for like it. that would get that Super Bowl win would that yeah, would, it, that's it gets you years. like, it gives you like, yes, I want to say six to nine years. Yeah. That would give me 10 years where I could watch with no expectations and just be like, I'm riding, I'm riding high. So I'm going to be real clear about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lou, speaking about Super Bowl contenders, let's, get into, your, <laughs> let's get into your, your bolts here. All right, so hometown takes. Let's start with the good uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers. Both they outplayed the Chiefs, if you want my honest opinion. Uh, it was a fantastic game for the most part. Uh, the good, let's talk about the defense because for the second week in a row, that's what really stood out to me. The defense was flying around. They stuffed Kansas City numerous times on third and short, something they couldn't have done last year, right? If it was like third and two, I'm like, you might as well just move those chains right now, Russ. This is just a formality. But – uh, they played inspired football on that defensive side, and they were playing physical, uh, fast, aggressive. And I thought Mahomes looked pedestrian. He, If you were to tell me that Mahomes would have less than 250 passing yards and only two touchdowns, you're like, wow, Chargers killed him. Chargers yeah. killed him. Are you kidding me? Chargers killed him. But once again, Chargers find a way to lose. Or did they? We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But <clears throat> I think the formula, if you listened up until – you know, this, the whole week, you heard Kyle Van Noy, you heard Khalil Mack, you heard Joey Bosa, you heard Derwin James all say the same exact thing, what they were going to try to do. Don't let Mahomes get out of the pocket. Don't let Mahomes out of the pocket. And if you're talking about a defense, like, oh, they only, you know, they didn't have, they only had like one sack. That wasn't, that wasn't the game plan. That wasn't the game plan. Keep him the in game, the pocket. Keep him in the pocket, apply interior pressure. And they did that. And notice the times he scored those two touchdowns or throwing touchdowns at home. Guess what? One was out, both outside the pocket. Well, one was uh, one was outside the pocket. The other was like when he stepped up in the pocket. But it was he was about to be outside the pocket and throw the you know throw the bombs. And it was this close, by the way, that J.C. Jackson you know almost touched that and like deflected that. We're talking about a new game, right there. Uh, so the front seven, great job playing. You know. Those, those lanes, uh, good job spying on Mahomes and what have you. But it wasn't just the front seven. The back end of that of, of that defense was phenomenal as well. Asante Samuel could have three pick sixes in this game. Asante Samuel was this close from blocking the game-winning field goal. Asante Samuel was all over the place. And I, I'm going to be real with you. He started off like, you know, gangbusters last year and then just fizzled away. Uh these first two games, I feel like you can just say he's playing faster, more confident. 
Uh, he, he, he's playing like his father. It's crazy. Yep. He's always around the ball. Uh, Derwin James, man. Derwin James was destroying. Derwin James wasn't playing football last Thursday. He, he was playing – he, he was wrestling. He, he was dragging people down. He would come up with bad intentions. Probably one of my – it has to go down to one of my um, best plays of all time, that, that spine buster where he did the Jace, uh, 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 Travis Kelsey. Yeah, that was that was that Kelsey's a big boy. That was six three two fifty. That was violent. Yo, I I've never seen it. you. You know when you would see those uh, play like that back in the day? It was in the seventies when the Steelers would play the Raiders. Remember when we were talking about the, those players uh, yeah, yeah. on your on your most feared list and stuff like that. But damn, Derwin Dur- James was flying around, laying the boom, just straight up. You know, coming with bad intentions. <clears throat> hey, Unless, real quick, yeah. This is where I'm going to just continuously plug when we talk about this person, Dark Horse for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. I thought my, I think mine's, we'll talk about that later, but. Yeah. Uh, He's yeah. on pace too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and last but not least, uh, because I have a lot of, I have a lot of grievances. I'm like George Costanza's father uh, in the bad section here uh, with Festivus. So, but before we get to the bad, Zion Johnson. Uh, if there was ever like a, you know, I, I you know, sang his praises during the senior bowl. I was happy. I go, this guy, this is a boring pick, safe pick. He's going to be that guy. You don't have to worry about him for like, you know, 10 years. He was amazing. He stonewalled Chris Jones in the first half. Jones wasn't doing anything against Zion Johnson. Chris, Chris Jones is a, is a big, bad man. And it came to the fact that they had to move Chris Jones away from, uh, Zion Johnson to the other side against Matt Filer for him to have any success. But you watch those battles. What makes Zion Johnson so great is his ability to basically, you know, anchor down. It looks like he's getting beat, and all of a sudden he just stops moving. And you, and then when he stops moving, guess what? You're you stop moving. He's strong. He's physical. Loved it. Uh, it doesn't look pretty, but he always he always be you know he always holds up and and pass protection. But that's pretty much it for the good for me. Actually. Can I call out some some good here real Go quick? Ahead, yeah. I'm going to give you some credit. Um well, I mean first of all, let's let's not forget that like at one point in the third quarter they're up 10 points, right? This was the Chargers game. I do agree that they they dominated this game early and it should have been theirs. Uh let's go to the Cleo Max side. Notched another sack. It was their lone sack, but now we're two weeks in a row into the season, consecutive games. He's now got what four sacks, right? Mm-hmm. So he's probably up there in uh, the sack leaders. But I'm going to give you credit here. I called out Mike Williams last week, right? And I just said like non-existent, and with Keenan being gone, and you half in jest said like he's just saving it for week two. He always balls out <laughs> against the Chiefs. No, yada yada true. yada. And dude, he balled out against the Chiefs. Dude, he man. always balls out against the Chiefs. It's it's like. You know, death and taxes. There's three certainties in life: death, taxes, and Mike Williams killing the Chiefs. And he and he did, man. Like yeah. as true to form. And I like that. I had that in my notes, right? Like that was a mental note when I was watching that game. I was like, oh, I'm gonna bring this up because Lou <laughs> definitely called this out mm-hmm. that it was gonna happen. All right, All let's right. get in. Let's so get the, into. The let's bad. get into Festivus. Okay, so I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> yeah. Um. Weston, for as now a time as you know me, how many times as a Chargers fan, and I could, have I complained about 
the referees. I mean, honestly, I've ever last year when they played, uh, you know, the Raiders and that defensive pass interference bomb, uh, you know, when Derek Carr threw a bomb, it wasn't even catchable. It was like completely on the other side. I didn't complain about that because it wasn't defensive uh, defensive pass interference. But guess what? It was holding defensive holding. It would have been all Mac first down no matter what. So never, 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 ever, 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 ever have I complained about referees. Well, guess what? I'm going to fucking make up for it right now. Yeah. All right. First of all, the pass interference call on Bryce Callahan against MBS was atrocious. MBS extended his hand and threw Callahan down. Yep. He was the one that initiated contact. It was awful. What a bullshit call. And guess what? That extended the, that extended the drive. And guess what happened a couple plays later? Mahomes leaks out to the right side of the pocket. Boom. Fucking touchdown. I'm sorry I'm using so many curses, but I never – Normally, I need this the, passion from you, bro. Normally, normally it's me. When, listen, man. Listen, listen, listen. Normally, when the Chargers lose and they charger it up, I'm just bummed. I'm like, wow, man. Like, how, like it's almost like you know, you know, what's his name, Craig, and like Friday. Like, how'd you get fired in your day off? Type uh, shit. Like, yeah, you know, like, you're so stupid. But no, I, I've never been as livid as I have uh, watching a, a Chargers game because it wasn't the the Chargers charging. I felt like there was external circumstances to why they were charging. Yeah. And it was the referees. All right. So the, the pass interference on, on Callahan, complete bullshit. The reversal on the Samuel interception was equally as frustrating. You can't tell me that the Sam, that wasn't an interception where if you look back and when you look at the saints versus Tampa Bay game, Jamal Dean picked up Jameis Winston. So it was that, the same play. Same exact fucking play. <laughs> Right, same exact play. So you can say, "Oh, like you know, um, it didn't look like he had possession, whatever." The play on the field was an interception. Did you see any undisputable evidence showing elsewise? No. Why the hell? Why the hell did they change that then? I, you, you talked, you talked last week, right? About you know, I'm kind of conspiracy theorist. You made like you said that in jest, but well, it was no. seventeen to seven midway through the third quarter. Amazon's first game. It was in Chiefs territory, and guess what? If the Chargers made it twenty-four to seven, and end of three, you know things could have got a little dicey. You know, maybe for viewerships. I know that I'm just talking on my ass, but yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, but I would be saying, thinking the same way. <laughs> so the, the the I've never seen a game so poorly refereed from a one from one standpoint, and that is why I am furious, furious. So this is a bigger problem, right? And the bigger problem I have is I do believe that 99 out of 100 officiating crews, that remains an interception. And it go, the, the bigger problem is I, after all these years, I still don't know what a catch is. Like, I, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I still don't know what is a catch and what is not a catch. My eyes tell me that was 100% an intercepted pass. And these are things, man, like these are – these change games, right? These change games. And we – You can't give Mahomes – you can't give Mahomes that many outs. No. And let me tell you why that was an interception. When they were – after after Samuel picked that off, right, the reaction to Mahomes, he dropped the F-bomb. Like he's yeah. like, damn it. Like he – like he, he, he knew. Said, and guess what? He said something after the game too, saying like, you know, thank God we had some flags and, you know, some – you know uh some uh you know some calls that went our way and so he literally said that like yeah. he knew that like you know 
he, you know, he, someone was watching over him that game. They were not going to let him lose. And, and it's frustrating, man. I'm not, again, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a quasi charger fan via you. Right. But again, I have no skin in the game and just watching that it's, it's, it's just tough. It's just tough. Cause it's like, you do everything right. You play the game the right way. Um, you talked about, well, I give the chargers a ton of credit. Like they were very vocal about what their strategy was and they went and executed that strategy on the defensive side of the ball. And they stayed true to it all game long. People were playing, they were in the right positions. It just, that's I've never seen, I ne- I've never seen that defense play so disciplined before. Uh, they're fun to watch right now. Speaking of fun to watch, dude, and the reason why you saw me looking at my phone is literally four minutes ago, I had a notification pop up that says, the Yankees? Kel- no, I don't care no. about the Yankees, bro. Kelsey talks slam from Derwin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, have you seen about- what he said? That's fun. He that said, he- yeah, boy, he yeah. said that it surprised the shit out of him. Yeah, he's, his, yeah his you got, go listen to it. It's on his brother's podcast. Go listen to it. It's, it's real fun. I, I, I kind of like Kelsey. Uh, he's he's hard not to like. He's yeah. he's he, you you don't like him because he's on a, it's the same reason why nobody likes Tom Brady, dude. Like no, no, these guys winning. Nah, man. For the most part, Kelsey. When Derwin plays, Kelsey doesn't kill us. It was Tariq I hated, but uh, yeah. I don't mind Kelsey. So, uh, Kelsey Kelsey didn't kill you this week, this year either. This this week, no. Um, Fifty five yards. But that, that that to me that's just a pick, and I walk out of this equation like, can somebody still just tell me like what controlling the ball is going to the ground and what that actually means because it goes both ways, right? Like, guarantee that was a receiver making that diving catch. Call stands. Listen, man, it, the, the call. There was no undisputable evidence, so that's why I think call has to stand. All right, so I, I digress. I'm not going to beat a dead horse here. Uh, next, you know, you know, my next order of business talk about injuries. Second half, Chargers got decimated with injuries, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. First possession out, lost lost uh, Corey Lindsley, best center in the league. Uh, you know, next possession, they lost their right tackle. I get it. Pipkins is nothing to uh, Pipkins still, is nothing to but still whatever. starter. Still got to yeah, put a backup in. Exactly, exactly. And that backup is uh, Storming Norton Norton there. So, uh, and then I mean, then it hit her around the world. You know, Justin Herbert, like you know, still very nervous. Not sure what this means for our year. You know, if you if you want my honest opinion, I know some good things coming up. You know, you know some good news has come out that you know they can, you know, shoot him up. Uh, the wear the flak jacket and what have you, but. That's going to affect him uh, from a, a, a mobility standpoint, from from a mechanic standpoint. A guy who prides himself on his mechanics, that flapjack, that flat jacket is going to definitely have some sort of negative impact, you know, from an arm rotation and twisting of the torso type of thing. Um, and also, you have to be worried. I mean, because the guy giving him the shot on Sundays uh, is <laughs> getting sued right now. You don't know what's going to happen with that. Yeah. So, say so you don't get struck by lightning twice, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> Except I know somebody who's actually been struck by lightning twice. That's crazy. But yeah. all, all kidding aside, but like uh, that hurt. Love seeing him gut out there. I just, it's, it's crazy. But Kurt Warner was talking about it uh, before uh, today. And he was saying, like, you know, it happened to him. I know for a fact the same thing happened to Philip Rivers. Uh, I think Eli Mann had an injury quite like this. It's not uncommon, and you can play with it. It's just about pain tolerance. Uh, and there's nothing you can do, really. Because I, I, I'm not a doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> so there's nothing you can do. Like, another week is not going to help it heal. No. 
No. It's going to take three to six months. Uh, uh, and the re-injury factor, you know, from all my years of studying on Twitter, uh, it looks like it's very s- small, meaning like it, it won't get you know worse, but it's still going to be a bitch to play, play with. So no. that, the injuries were definitely uh, a low point in the game if it wasn't for the, uh, the officiating. The only reason the, the, their injury risk factor, and this goes back to like, hey, what we were talking about, Trey Lance, right? Freak injury on the run, right? Like, hey, your guy's in the pocket. An injury can still happen that can derail some things. I think the good news for for Justin in this particular instance is that there's like no cartilage that's separated from like the ribs, right? Like yeah. that's that's a huge problem. Now, I am not Justin Herbert. He is built drastically different than I. But I do have experience with – cracked ribs um from flag football but from football nonetheless like it actually (laughs) did happen lou i couldn't if i sneezed it hurt if i was walking my dog and he pulled the leash too hard it hurt to wipe my ass hurt right so it's going and this dude i'm not i'm not even exaggerating this like eight months until i was like oh i don't feel that anymore now I don't have all shots and things that they're going to do. And you're also not a professional athlete. Yeah, and first class. Yeah, and first class medical staff and treatment and whatnot. But I think you hit the nail right on the head. This is all going to be about just pain management and pain tolerance. And I, Yeah, Kurt Warner says something extremely interesting when when it happened to him. He said, there are times where when I was playing, didn't even know I had, like, you know, I couldn't even feel it. Adrenaline. And, And then all of a sudden, he's like, then there's times like, I can't lift up my arm like in the middle, like you just never know when that, like what, what triggers that massive amount of jolt of pain. And so it should be interesting if he can play through it. If he can, man, you know, kudos to him. Yeah. I mean, listen, he shows some guts. Yeah. Tough kid, man. Tough kid. All the credit in the world. He's gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna know Charger fans. You're gonna notice it, right? Like he will be reluctant to probably like take off in certain scenarios and, you know, or get rid of that ball before the the hit comes. He's always been good at, at getting that ball out fast and not absorbing many hits. But like, it wasn't every even a t- big hit either. No, but every time, that's what's funny about the ribs, dude. Like mine, no, when it I wasn't cracked mine, even like, dude, I dove and landed on the ball. That's how it happened. Like I literally landed on the football, and that's what cracked a rib. Like, yeah. and what's even funnier is I didn't even realize that I was in that type of pain until I got in my car to drive like home, and I was like. I can't lift my left arm to the steering wheel, which is what I drive with. Like it's during the game. I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried about it. Like you will wince every time he gets hit. You're going to be like, Oh my God, did that hurt? Did that re aggravate? Did that do anything? But his adrenaline will be pumping so much that it, I I just don't, I, it'll be an issue. It's not going to be a huge issue. It's just unfortunate because he's going to have to, he's just going to be thinking about it for the rest of the season. It's just the way it is. And um, last thing I have about the bad, and once again, this this is so uncommon for me, you know, complaining about officiating. How many times I complain about, like, the play calling? I stuck up for Brandon Staley going on all those fourth downs last year, right? Yeah. Uh, and I kind of, stu- st- you know, stuck up for Lombardi, you know, last year as well. I'm like, they had the fourth or fifth best offense. I hated the play calling this, the, uh, this past week. I thought it was extremely timid, lacked creativity. I get they want to be a physical team. I get that. But too many times I see on third and short, halfback dive. Yeah. Halfback dive. You have an alien as a quarterback, man. You have talented skill positions. 
I get it once, maybe, you know, you call that, but like, I'll tell you right now, man, I did hated the creativity on these third and shorts. And you notice that you know, it's getting a lot of flack <clears throat> that they don't put, they're not pushing the ball down the, down the field, but what they have been doing a tremendous job is getting a boatload of the third and shorts. I think that's by design, by the way. Yep. So if, if you are planning to get third and shorts, you got to come out something spicier than a halfback dive up the middle, man. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Um, listen, this is who – but I do agree that the play calling was a little lackluster. Um, but, like, you'll figure that out as, as like, time goes on, what's working, what's not working. Um, the reality for me is, like, what probably stings the most about this was it, it was a, a win – the way the game transpired, it was a winnable game. We shouldn't have. We shouldn't have been in that game. We shouldn't have won that game before the game. When you look at Keenan being hurt and what yep, have yep, you, yep. going on the road short week. So the fact that we were in it and then we're dominating, and and then in the manner in which it was lost, yeah. we had that third party taken away from us. Yeah, um, that I makes digress. it stink. But reality is, the Chargers executed the plan, and the the plan was these first two games two division games, We when we looked at the schedule, we said, just got to come one. out of that one-on-one. And they came out of it one-on-one, right, in one-on-one. Um, so, but the, let's let's not overstate that how much that pick six hurt. That wasn't on Herbert. Everyone's talking about No, that it's on not Herbert. on Herbert. No, I'm not putting that on Herbert. That's on Staley. Yeah, like your tight end was – like you just literally – what was it, like two or three big plays in a row that went to the guy. He was gassed, literally and waving he, to the sideline, and you were like, number, no. Yeah, you looked at the number of snaps he played that game. He, it was fair to say early in the season, it was fair to say it was okay to be gassed. gassed. Yeah, and he just couldn't get out of his route, right? Yeah. Like that's just literally the um, – but listen, you know, th- that's a 14-point swing, dude. Hell, yeah. That's a 14-point swing. That's oh, just yeah. the way it is, you know. Um, all right, all right. I know. You know, we're talking about this whole this whole Chargers segment and the hometown takes. I was freaking out, so I think that's a good way to segue to talk about our freaking out, uh, you know, our freaking out moments here. So I'm going to let you start the way, you know, with your, you know, who are you freaking out about? All right. So I'm going to change my guard a little bit. Okay. Last week I had I was a lot of negative Nancy. I'm still negative. I always will be. But I'm I'm going to kick off this segment with a positive in some capacity Love freaking it. out if i am the my if i am a miami dolphins fan and your boy Tua, well listen we'll get to that in a second i'm freaking out now lou i am not ready nor willing to eat my words just yet but but yeah but you got but you know what you have to start getting you have to start putting the napkin on your lap here i'm paying attention yeah. i'll put it that way i'm paying attention right now so I can know where I'm right and where I'm wrong. And I will not back off those statements only two weeks into a season where – but the fish look good, man. They look they look good now. You can sp- slice this two different ways. I mean, you don't want to make it routine to just be trailing a team by 21 points going into the fourth quarter and having to make that up on a, on a regular basis. But that's exactly what they did in week two against – the Baltimore Ravens, right? This isn't the New England Patriots team that they faced in week one. This is the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson led, who balled out in this game, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, they look like they were running away. But hats off to Mike McDaniel. You know how I feel about that individual. I think it was a very prudent hiring by the Miami Dolphins. 
Tua Tagovailoa, you had yourself a day, sir. Uh, you found your studs when it mattered most in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, And Tua walked out of that with six tutties in this game. Now In Baltimore. In Baltimore. In Baltimore. But now, he did start the game with two interceptions. Okay. Right? So let's be – right? Like, still had to hit the stride. You are trying to push that narrative that Tua – No, 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 no. Bad. I'm not putting this narrative. He, he is. Mike McDaniel, I think, has just re- quickly reshaped this offense – a lot of motion, yeah. uh, a lot of complexities. God, when have we and seen you know that before? Exactly. And you know what's scary, too? The Ravens, they were playing man. They were playing zone. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what the Ravens were, were yeah. throwing at them. Mike McDaniel's a genius. Like People yeah. just need to give this man some credit. Uh, but he exploits the weaknesses of the defense, and he does it by using speed, right? He puts mm-hmm. – and he gets the guys the ball in space. So 2-0, not a bad way. Tua and O, as I would see on the, yeah. the, the internet out there. Um, not a bad way to start the season. I do think this thing will fizzle a little bit, right? Like they're up for their new coach. Um, you know, yes, Baltimore, who I picked to win the North, but we know they're getting back into the flow of things and had some changes there. And, you know, this is certainly not the same New England. The real test is this week, and we'll talk about that in a, yep. in a little bit. But Miami Dolphin fans, I know you are, and I would be as well. 2-0, you couldn't have, you couldn't have imagined a, a better start. I, I would think that when you looked at the schedule, you probably were like 1-1 one one through the first two games feels about right. But especially the way that game started, just showed me that the team is resilient and, mm-hmm. and is um, – has playmakers where listen, there's some teams in this league, mine included, where if they were down 21 points, all feels lost. Yeah, yeah. all feels lost, and they didn't quit. I'll tell you right. I'll tell you right now. Um, what's crazy? How much foreshadowing did I do last week? By the way, I'm 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 already in midseason form. I picked the Ravens to win last week, right? But at the end of the show, I'm like, can I go back and change one game? And you're like, what game is it? I'm like, give me the Dolphins. I knew. Yeah. I I just forgot. I'm like, you know, Dolphins are gonna win at the end. So how much yeah. foreshadowing did I do last week? Anyway, you did well. You did well. We'll talk about that in a yeah. minute. All right. So uh, I'm going to continue with, you know, with these good vibes and talk about the, you know, if I'm freaking out from a positive standpoint, I'm freaking out with the unusual suspects of, of, uh, of some fans here. The Jets, the Jags, the Giants, the Lions, all have reasons to be happy now. So let's give them their time to shine. Let's, the Giants are undefeated. Tied for first place. Lions have one of the best offenses, you know, in the in, in the National Football League. The Jaguars single-handedly beat up on the Colts, right? And they look pretty damn good from a defensive standpoint, officially from an offensive standpoint. How about the Jets? No quit. Joe Flacco coming back, you know, from the dead like the Undertaker, that Undertaker gif, right? Oh yeah, dude. We never I- talk about these teams, and when we do, we always shit on them. So let's give them their due, man. Yeah. So speaking of the Giants, I'll be at that Monday night game this week against the Cowboys. That so could be, that's a very winnable game for them. My no secret, my whole family's Giant fans, right? And my I'm a, I am a season ticket holder for the New York Giants that were inherited through uh, my grandfather. And this Monday night uh, is probably the only game that I can get to this season without a conflict of schedule because the 49ers got a Sunday night game. So then Monday I'll be up late Sunday night watching the game on the East Coast, and Monday night I'll be up late again uh, because I will be at MetLife Stadium watching the Giants play the Dakless 
Dallas Cowboys, and we'll see how it goes. But yeah, they all they dude, they all deserve praise. I, I'm I'm not gonna praise the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why not? Um, Come on, man. They were they almost have like half as many wins as they now whatever. as they did with Urban Meyer. <laughs> like, just a just a poverty franchise, man. They're just a poverty franchise. Um, it's it's tough for me to to get behind uh, that bandwagon. But yeah, um, did you did you say the Houston Texans by any chance? I know nah, they're they yeah, but. They're hanging around, man, against teams that they have no business hanging around with. So again, we're I'm, I'm about- not from that. I'm not from that age of, uh, you know, that like that age of people where you get participation trophies. No, th- this this, this year, Houston's Texans are last year's Detroit Lions. That's I'm what I'm not, telling you. I'm, yeah, They're gonna. You know what? And then next year I'll give them praise. That means. But we will celebrate the Detroit Lions on the We're Talking Football podcast because <laughs> I think we're, we're quietly we're quietly, we're quietly Lions fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is carryover from the 2021 season. Yeah. You mentioned uh, a, a a team in there that you weren't praising, but if I'm the Colts, I'm freaking out, mm-hmm. dude. I I thought bringing Matt Ryan in was supposed to provide Frank Reich with that quarterback. Or that signal caller that needed to get them over the it could be worse than Wentz, right? Yeah, no, they can't be, right? And they tied the lowly Texans in week one and just got slaughtered by the Jacksonville Jaguars in week two. They I don't even they don't I don't even think they got off the bus, the Colts. Now I know they struggle against the Jaguars. We talk about this all the time. Like some teams just have your numbers. The Jaguars single handedly kept them out of the playoffs last year. I think Frank Wright in his career is like 0 and five or something like that in jacksonville whatever it is after week one's performance you got to go mop this team you got to go if if you're the contender that we think you are like you have to go mop up that team but what but if i'm if i'm Colts, i'm looking at like what's wrong with what's going on right now right i'm gonna gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you right but yeah tell me and then i'll i'll I'll, I'll yeah real quick they they have made extremely questionable moves. I think my hot take here, Reich will be gone, and the GM was it Ballard. He needs yep. to be gone too. How do you not provide? Here you here you are. You trade for a quarterback, right? <clears throat> and Matt Ryan, don't provide him any weapons outside of Taylor and Pittman. Like literally nothing. The yeah. other guys are fringe practice squad guys. Literally, yeah. you can't win with just two. Skill position players. Not you need league. a minimum three to four nowadays. It doesn't work like that anymore. And guess what? Another thing that they did that was that was awful. They hired Gus Bradley as the defensive coordinator. Now, uh, what's his name? Eberflus. And I'm not joking. Where Gus yep. goes, teams slowly die. Defenses slowly die and get worse. Right? Yep. The Eberflus uh, is on. You know, with the the Bears, he was yep. a defensive genius. They replace it with this schmuck. And let me tell you, that defense is not the same defense as it was. And I think between they made some questionable moves, not getting offensive talent to help Matt Ryan, and also they've gotten worse from a defensive schematic uh, standpoint as well. They got to go to both of them. I I think the worst thing that happened to this team was Darius Leonard changing his name. You know what I mean? I'm just, just, just throw accusations out here left and right. But not all is lost, Colts fans. You might be in the worst division in football right now uh, <laughs> when all is said and done. Probably, like, yeah. The Jaguars lead this division at one and one. No. Uh, yeah, one, oh, and one. No, one and one. 
Oh, they, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. They, they lost, lost the to Washington, so they're yeah. one and one, and they lead the division. You have Colts are oh one and one. Uh, Texans are oh one and one, and the uh, Titans are zero oh and two. Yeah. So you're still in the middle of the pack in your division. Oh my God! Who could have saw the Titans not being good this year? I know, and it doesn't look promising. You got another freak out? I do. And speaking of uh, being zero and two, uh, I actually want to. If I'm a a fan of one of these AFC West pretenders, like Raiders Nation or Broncos Country, I'm freaking the fuck out. And let me tell you why. We all know the stat when you're zero and two when you start the season. Eleven percent of the teams make the playoffs. If I'm Raider, if I'm Raiders Nation. I'm pissed off at the prize free agent acquisitions haven't have been subpar and have have been subpar and they haven't done enough. You got, I mean, if I'm Chandler Jones's family, I'm nervous because he's disappeared. I don't know where the hell he's been. He's not even getting pressures, right? How you Devontae Adams going to have two catches in the game? Can't believe they lost that game to the Cardinals. How are you gonna get fired on your day off, right? It's <laughs> a Friday I reference. And now, now, all right. So let's let's transition to Broncos country. Let's cry. The first two games were supposed to be their gimme games, layups, right? Against Seattle, against Houston, easy. This team looks so dysfunctional. It's not even funny. They are zero for five uh, when uh, when it comes to third and goal, right? 0 for 5. That is atrocious. Uh, we know the questionable play, 64-yard uh, field goal, you know, in week one in Seattle. But you know what Hackett said the following week, uh, you know, 56-yard field goal, too far for my kicker, man. This guy, Hackett, doesn't know shit about shit. I'll tell you right now, there's some questionable – he looks – the offense looks befuddled, some questioning game management decisions. It, it is, I've never seen – a fan base count out the play clock to help out a team. Dude, did you see the clip of Russ on the sideline with the run you know, pass? I did that in JV. Yeah. JV, not varsity. That shit got cut off in varsity. JV. Yep. Run pass on the sidelines, yelling that out. What a cool ball. These are defensive professionals, dude, right? Like, by the time the young runner pass, guess what? The play's either completed or the guy's three yards. The ball's in the air when you're yelling pass. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's you're not snuffing anything out. So, it's funny here. So, yet another example of what I've been telling you about for what feels like my lifetime is that this is what Russell Wilson does. He lures you to sleep, and that was an awful performance, by the way. And then somehow, some way, like he just literally looks like he's not playing football for three, three plus quarters. And then some way, just ekes it out in the fourth. Ekes yeah. it out. The difference and, is, man. The difference is, man. He doesn't have that coach now that to bail him out and that defense. Yeah. And I read, so I saw something that <clears throat> is very interesting. I'm sure it's just banter and speculation, but that Nathaniel Hackett was actually hired with the hopes to lure in Aaron Rodgers. I saw that too. And then it didn't happen. Like I said, it's probably just banter and speculation because hindsight's twenty twenty. But boy, does that seem to make a lot of sense right now, yep. right? Like you don't have to coach when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. This was the argument when Peyton Manning was your quarterback. You're the, the offensive coordinator for whatever team Peyton Manning was on was the best job in football best job in football, right? Like the dude called it on the field. 
Rodgers does that on the field. Um, and it would just change the game and somebody that is comfortable. So, yeah, if I'm the Broncos, I'm a little nervous. Now, now let me explain something to you. The 49ers were, had lost 17 of 20 games over 10 years to the Seattle Seahawks. The quarterback was Russell Wilson of those Seattle Seahawks. 49ers see the, Seahawks, uh, see the Denver Broncos in Denver on Sunday Night Football next yep. week, which means it's probably when Russ will get it right. It's yeah. just the way it goes. It just he'll probably get it right. All right, Weston, don't mean to just yep, yep, some yep, reason yep. I'm having technology issues. So we gotta hurry up and speed this up because for some reason my computer is not charging. So let's let's bust right. through some of these uh, offensive defensive players of the week. Get a new computer. Um you start offense. Offensive. I'm once again I am gonna I'm gonna force you to say two of his name. So I'm not gonna say his name. I'm gonna say a pair of Jets, Joe Flacco, twenty six of forty four. 307 yards, four touchdowns at Cleveland, and also Garrett Wilson, the rookie wide receiver out of Ohio State. Homecoming game for him, eight catches, 102 yards, and two touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown. Great performance, you know, by a pair of Jets. All right. I'll just say it. I'll give it to him. Tua. Yep. 36 of 50, 469, six touchdowns. I, yep. I'm, I'll even leave off the two interceptions, right? I just – I'll give I'll give praise when praise is due, and in that fourth quarter – he and his playmakers were electric. I'll also lump in uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle to this conversation combined for 22 catches, 361 yards, and four touchdowns as a pair. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, what's the moral of this story? Put the ball in your playmakers' hands, and they'll take care of the rest. Speaking of playmaker, how about Amon Rod St. Brown? Led the team in rushing, two carries, 68 yards, had nine catches, 110, 119 yards, and two touchdowns. All right. Uh, I'll stay in wide receiver land as well. Stefan Diggs, 12 for 148 and three TDs. Um, look, Stefan had a heck of a year last year, but it was a, a down year from his 2020 season. He's on pace to blow his 2020 season out of the water. Yep. All right. So defensive players, I have Aiden Hutchinson. He had three yep. sacks, six pressures. And I also had uh, Marcus Williams, two interceptions, 10 tackles. I got big play Slay, Darius Slay. He broke up five passes in that game, picked off two of them. And and he sought out Mr. Justin Jefferson. He wasn't, he didn't follow him through the game, but when Justin was on his side or when that was the matchup, uh, Justin Jefferson did not eat like he's been eating lately. And the reality is, is like, I won't blame Jefferson. I'll just chalk this up to Kirk Cousins literally having the worst record on Monday Night Football imaginable as as a quarterback. But I got Darius Slay, and I know we don't normally do two sacks um, as a thing. I had Hutchinson, but I'm going to say Nick Bosa actually. So he had he was in the backfield all day, two tackles for a loss, two sacks, hit the quarterback five times, and even got lit up by his own player. Which you got to watch the video of Fred Warner mic'd up, dude. My Warner like killed him on a play where like Warner was just train rolling and Bosa just got turned around and Warner just went <laughs> right through him and dude the 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 mic'd up commentary is is hilarious you have to you have to go check that out all right so what are we watching this week Lou for for me Herbert watch uh, is he gonna play this week how effective he will be this is an easy part of their schedule he's home against the Jags uh, at Texans the week uh, the following week at Cleveland the week after. Before his home against before his home matchup against the Broncos, 
So they can really start getting momentum if he's physically able to get into this, you know, uh, get to the game this week and really perform well. So I'm seeing how he performs. All right. For me, the the big one on the docket in the, during uh, the normal game flow on Sunday is uh, Buffalo versus Miami. Oh, yeah. That's this is – this is is Miami for is this for real? This mm-hmm. is this is big boy competition. Um, I believe is this game in Miami? Yes. It, it is in Miami. Let me check this out here. It is in Miami. Um, in front of your home crowd, you're rolling. This is a big test for Tua. This is a great defense coming to town. This here's is a crazy, big test for Mike McDaniel. Crazy, yeah, here's a crazy stat. Listen to this. Buffalo has 20 consecutive wins by double digits. So if they're winning, they're winning by double digits. Yeah, that's wild. So that that's that's priority one for me um, during the the regular slate of games. What's another one? Wentz and his reunion in Philly. Uh, not not playing in Philly, but Wentz and uh, Philly. Yeah, uh, Philly wins that game easily. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> um, Philly's playing really good football right now. Um, how about Jalen Hurts, huh? Yeah. Just oh, you know what, Lou? Real quick, the point that I wanted to make that I wanted to come back to, and I know we're on this. Is this Tua saga, right? Like, and if he's so, this is year three of Tua, right? So we were talking about Trey Lance in like year three, and you can argue that Tua didn't play a ton of football in the NFL over years one and two. Didn't start until what week six or week seven of his first year, and then last year got benched multiple times. In games, right? Not just like the following week, like in games. He still played a lot a lot more football, though. He still played a lot more football, and this is not the same scenario, but like it's not unheard of to see progression coming. I mean, when – I mean, people are just ru- ruling this guy out of the NFL, right? Yeah. Left-handed quarterback shouldn't be here, myself included. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the other game for me is Detroit versus Minnesota. So mm. I want to see the – I want to see what, what's the real version of each of these teams, right? Like – Detroit is this ascending team playing well. I mean, they played Philly tough in week one, right? They went in and mopped up their competition like they should have in Washington. Uh, what's the real version of Minnesota? Is it week one who s- smacked around the division rival Green Bay Packers? Or is it what we just saw on Monday Night Football against the Philadelphia Eagles where, again, didn't even look like they got off the bus? So, to me, division That's- games division games are always competitive. Like, which team – Show me the real version of these teams. I still don't think you're going to know the real version of the Minnesota Vikings after this week, but that's neither here nor there. All right. You got quick it. Pickums. Quick pickums. Yeah, quick pickums. So last week, Lou was nine and seven. I was seven and nine. So for the season, I'm 16 and 16. I'm sitting at 500. Lou is 17 and 15. So I'm a Back game off, game off the pace. Here. Yeah. That, that too helped you. Um, you, you pulled out two this week. So let me roll, load up the schedule. Let's start Thursday night. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Give me uh give me Cleveland. Yeah, I'm, I'm Browns too. They gotta get this right at home. It's hard on the it's hard, you know, coming from uh you know, going on the road. Yeah. On Houston, Houston at Chicago. Give me Houston. <laughs> crazy, Damn. crazy uh Staff from Chicago, they only have 15 completed passes in the first two games. Yeah, I'm, I'm Houston in this game too. I think they're just like – they're right there, and I think you're going to see a lot more of the rookie running back in this game um, than you've seen from production-wise over the last two weeks. All right, Las Vegas Raiders at the Tennessee Titans. 
something has to give here, right? Yeah. Give me the you got you got to give me the Raiders here. And I have no confidence whatsoever in Tennessee. Uh, I'm gonna t- I'm I'm gonna take the Titans. I uh, give them the edge on the the home game. I just, dude, I can't get the stink out of my le- and taste out of my mouth out of how Las Las Vegas blew that game against the Cardinals. Yeah, but at least the Raiders look good in the first half. Tennessee hasn't looked good all year. I think Malik is, are they gonna give Malik the? Not yet. I'm giving the win to Mike Vrabel. That's yeah. who I'm giving the win to in this game. Okay. All right, Kansas City Chiefs at the Colts. Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs. Uh, I mean, if I'm in a survivor league, I'm just picking against the Colts at this point. All right, Buffalo at Miami. I can't go against Buffalo. I can't. No, not right now. I I I think (laughs) I I think Miami blew its load last week. You know how high, you know, high emotional game is going to do for a letdown. Yeah. Um, All right, Detroit Lions at Minnesota Vikings. You can go first on this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Vikings. I, I still think they're the the better football team here. I'll go Detroit. Look at you. Look at you. I hope you get it right. Um, Baltimore Ravens at the New England Patriots. Ravens. Yeah, Ravens. Um, all right. Cincinnati Bengals at the New York Jets. I know the Jets beat them last time, but I'm still saying Bengals. Yeah, this something's got to give here, man. But let's let's quickly call out how I'm Bengals too, by the way. Um, the Super Bowl hangover is a real thing, just yeah. so we're clear. It finds ugly ways to creep up. Right. Philadelphia Eagles at the Washington. I'm still calling them the football team. Uh, Eagles. Yeah, I'm Eagles too. Uh, Saints at Panthers. <sighs> Division games. Give me Panthers. Is Kamara playing? I don't know. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take the Saints. Okay. You got Panthers. All right. Jags at Bolts. It's gonna be a close one, but I do think the uh, Chargers win. Yeah, I, I do think so as well. Rams at Cardinals. Rams. Yeah. I'm rambly on that one, unfortunately. Um, Falcons at Seahawks. I like the Falcons to get the schneid here. I do too. Um, they I played inspired too. ball against the Rams last week. They did. They really did against a much better team. Uh, Packers at Buccaneers. Packers. Bucks. They look. They look. Their offense looks decimated. No Mike Evans, which I got to figure out fantasy. On no this Chris one. Godwin. Yeah, I'm I'm Packers too. Even though they really they don't, don't look, even... they don't look so good. Packers don't look. Their passing game looks atrocious. Yeah, they don't even look good against the Bears. Um, I know the score would say something different, but that second half was a. Uh, I, yeah, I know. Yeah. I get it. Um, Sunday night, 49ers at Broncos. I, I gotta say Broncos here. I think I'm the saying. ghost of Russell. Ghost of Russell Wilson pass haunts you guys again. I think so too, but I'm taking the 49ers. Um, Dallas Cowboys at the New York Football Giants Monday night. I will be in attendance. I'll say the Giants. 
I'm saying G-Men too. Um, they're playing inspired ball. And you know what I love most about them right now? And Dable and just how big his bag is, is he's like, I don't give a shit how much we pay Kenny Galladay. Homeboy had two snaps yeah. last week. Two I snaps. Know. All right. So that's where we're at. Games have been picked. Uh, My that computer wraps- survived about 1% battery. <laughs> So let's yeah, we, let's wrap this up. This might be like our look at that an hour and twenty minutes. We've been running two hours. Love it, Lou. Um, and we spent fifty minutes on our teams to start this off. So, yeah. Lou, as always, where can they find us? Twitter, Instagram at WTF Pod NFL and Weston. Where can they find us on YouTube, bro? We're talking football. Make sure you hit the subscribe and like buttons. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. Get us to the 500 number. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Uh, But that's all for us in week two. We'll be back to cover week three.